Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Don't Start a Business podcast. Here are your hosts, ODI Productions and Kit Fatch. So basically, if you're new to the Don't Start a Business podcast, we are not against business. We are actually entrepreneurs ourselves, and we encourage good business, but we discourage doing bad business. And thank you, everyone who left a review last week. Honestly, it means so much seeing those reviews. Even if you just left a five-star rating, it literally means the world to us. We are so uh, excited to do this podcast every week just because it's another outlet. Those who are on the podcast or listening to this who are familiar with my YouTube channel, you know that this podcast is a totally different just medium where I'm allowed to you know, really have raw unfiltered opinions I can't quite have on YouTube because of monetization, Um, but I hope you guys are able to get some value and maybe a little entertainment um, from this for the week. So this week's episode is talking all about work from home. So we're going to talk about how to be most productive working from home because of the coronavirus and most people are quarantined. They're forced to have to work from home for the first time ever, but luckily for you guys, I've been working home, uh, working from home for the last four years, so I've picked up a few things what not to do and what to do in order to get the most out of your day. But before we jump into all of those productivity tips, what do we have on the Slate Today kit? First thing is uh, their message came across our Facebook group, I guess it was yesterday, um, saying that Amazon has dramatically slashed uh, commission rates on certain products. So we got the news yesterday, we started looking into it, and they definitely made some big cuts. Um, mm. I think it went down, headphones were down from 6% to 3 and then the biggest dropper was furniture, home, garden, those kind of things dropped from 8 also mm. down to three. So they made some huge cuts in commission rates. Yeah. So we're talking 50% commission rate cut overnight. And I actually just recorded a YouTube video on this, and we hope to have that uploaded by tomorrow. By the time you're listening to this, the video will probably be up. So make sure to check it out on my YouTube channel, ODI Productions, where I talk all about you know the situation with Amazon Philip marketing, what ch- what's changing, what's changed, um, and how to handle this situation, and what are some actionable things you can do to kind of protect yourself if a situation like this were to ever arise again which it probably will if history repeats itself. But basically, um, what I have to say, my two cents on the matter is one, you know, it, it just kind of sucks for a lot of people who are, you know, if you, if Amazon affiliate marketing is your sole income source, it's the one affiliate program you're a part of, you make most of your affiliate earnings or maybe all of your monetization from your content or your website from Amazon, obviously this is bad news. Now, there's, there's a bit of good news and bad news and also just, um, you know, it's funny, Last year, I made a video titled, My Problem with Amazon Associates. So that was last year. That was before this whole, you know, commission rate cut and this and that. Um, You know, I've already spoken about, about Amazon Associates, how, you know, it's a great affiliate program for beginners. It's a great program to learn. Uh, But basically, Amazon is a very, very low ticket affiliate program. Like, it's not going to be the one that's going to make you filthy, stinking rich. Okay. And I saw the writing on the wall back in 2016. So, 2016, I was able to grow my Amazon affiliate marketing up to over $100 a day, over $3,000 a month. And that was awesome. But even back then, I already saw the writing on the wall. You know, I saw that 
this is not what's going to take me to that next level of, let's say, instead of 3000 a month, if you're trying to get to 10k a month, I just saw the amount of work and effort and views I'd have to get in order to make that a reality. And it just, it just didn't really seem worth it. And luckily, there's literally thousands of other affiliate programs. And there's this thing called high ticket affiliate marketing where instead of getting paid, let's say $2, $3, $5 for every sale, you're actually making $50, $100, $200 up to, you know, I've made um, up to $1,000 for a single referral. So, you know, I kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate because I learned this early on that high ticket affiliate marketing is the way to go. Because if you're going to get 10 sales in a day, would you rather get 10 sales of something that only pays you five bucks per sale or 10 sales of something that pays you 50 bucks per sale? That's literally 10 times the income for the same amount of energy and effort. So that's basically my two cents. I mean, Kit, what do you have to say about this whole Amazon yeah. affiliate marketing situation? I think goes something that you've you've said before a lot, which is that don't be an affiliate marketer. Use the model, business model of affiliate marketing. Because if you're just an affiliate marketer, maybe you just mm. find some profit with Amazon Associates and you you get way too narrowed in to just doing that, or you just do uh, ClickBank or something like that. And when you're operating just with mm. those low margins and you're not you're not using the sort of medium or that network the way it's supposed to be used like it's it's it is great like you said for beginners just starting out you just need to learn the basics but then you have to expand past that and i think the bigger lesson it teaches is like that you have to build a following and make and and it goes to why you need a website if you're just kind of in the wild west of amazon associates without a website and you just get some people to click on your link and you get some money that's great but if you don't have that established website or brand and people to take with you, if you have a problem selling things on Amazon, a loyal fan base will move with you wherever you wherever you go. Like there was a, a clothing brand called Nasty Gal that started on eBay, and she was able to build that into a big business because when eBay started cutting the percentage she was getting from selling, mm. she told all her her email subscribers, "Hey, I'm opening up my new website," and so she wasn't she wasn't in trouble at all. And I think a lot of people kind of miss out on that when they're first starting it. Like, hey, let me build toward the future. You know, like I, I remember first mm. learning about affiliate marketing and you told me about email marketing. It was just kind of weird to me because I'm like, really, people use email? And then when I saw how you were able to use that to leverage for better affiliate deals, just for things like that. And, and if a situation like this happens, which can happen, then you have the power. They don't have the power. So I think this should teach people doing you know teach people mm. a lesson that you got to be on your toes you got to be prepared to pivot and you have to be building up a legit actual business not something that's kind of a fly-by-night hey i run some facebook ads and get some clicks wow i could not have said it any better myself and i mean that uh yeah so many great points that you illustrate and it goes back to our philosophy you know, you really want to build up your own platform. So your own website, your own email list. And, you know, when you say a following, we're not talking about you need to have a million subscribers on YouTube. I mean, when I was making 3000 a month from Amazon Associates back in 2016, I did not have a following in the sense that people think of. Like people think of following means you need to have 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. You need to have 50,000 uh, followers on Instagram. It's nothing like that. I had none of those things back at the time, but I had a brand. I had a brand with a website and I gave value and I made good content and I wasn't on the camera for any of that content. 
You know what I mean? So it's like, it wasn't about me, it was about the brand and it was about my customers. So when we say a following, we're talking about a buyer's list, you know, email list, email subscribers, visitors to your website, visitors, you know, uh, to your videos, to your content. We're not talking about, you know, having a crazy social media following and being like a Hollywood star or nothing like that. We're literally talking about having a buyer's list of people who can become return customers who are warm traffic, who are interested in your niche. So Let's move on. I think that that's a. I think that we kind of nailed it um, in terms of our philosophy and what you know advice to give to people is to really just focus on building your own platform, and then you want to make sure that you're staying independent because as an affiliate, you're already giving control up because you're pushing all this traffic and sales to someone else. You want to make sure that you're building your brand, your brand up just as much as you are, um, you know, pushing this traffic to other companies. So I think we should get into the meat and potatoes, which is, you know, our topic for today. So I, how are we going to handle this? Are we going to talk about what not to do first and then what to do, or should I we think, do it vice versa? What do you think? I think we should start with what not to do. I think that's always fun. And, mm-hmm. and we kind of highlight some of the things we've done in the past that have sure. not worked. Cause I only started working from home, um, almost like just a little bit before the end of last year. So it was definitely a learning curve. And I, I had the advantage of learning from you and you sharing some of the tips, but it's definitely like a learning curve because you th- you think it's going to go one way. And I get some mistake a lot of people make. You think it's going to go one way and you don't put any of the preparation in and suddenly you're there and it's it's not going like that at all. Like, exactly. People think working from home, easy. They're like, oh, wow, I don't have to, you know, get dressed. I don't have to shower. I don't have to get my PJs. Easy. Like work from home, this could be like vacation. And the problem is it's work from home. Like you you have to do work and you'll realize real quick that working from an office, it's a lot easier to be productive because you're in this environment where you have peer pressure, you have a boss, you have coworkers, you also have no distractions for the most part inside your office. Um, whereas at home, you have all the distractions in the world. You have no boss, you have no coworkers, so you have no accountability. So let's talk about what not to do because we've made some mistakes. So I guess I'll start off. Um, I'd say the first thing uh, not to do is don't treat working from home as the regular nine to five. Like throw away all preconceptions or notions about a nine to five because that's not how things work. And, you know, the way that Google and some of the world's largest tech companies run is they don't focus on how many hours you work. They don't care. They care about the results that you actually bring in. So that's the first tip. Forget the hours, you know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, it's can you get your work done in time or not? So that's that's sort of the first tip is your mindset needs to change. It can't be the same mindset that you have in the office because it's a different environment. And with a different environment, you have to react, you have to adapt differently to get the most productivity out of your day. Okay, so... Yeah, definitely, and I, I, I think that that figuring out when you're most productive is really important because I think a lot of mm. people, you know, if you just keep a nine to five schedule, but it's like, hey, maybe you'd actually work better if you got up at six in the morning and knock things mm. out or maybe you work better like late. Like sometimes I really work well like late afternoon, but if you just try and stick to a nine to five schedule for no reason other than that's a routine you've had, you really are missing out on an opportunity to really, you know, change up how productive you can be. Yeah. That's a really, really great point. And it brings me to another point. Um, you may be you may be tempted to work from bed, you know, and just, you know, just get your laptop on your lap and this and that. But the problem is when you, you know, you do things like that 
and you stay so comfortable, you're not actually in the work zone. So this is called the gray zone. Um, basically, to, to be in the gray zone means you're not all the way working, but you're not all the way relaxing or hanging out or chilling. So, you know, the gray zone is something where you don't want to be. You want to either be working or taking a break. Like, Kit, what, you know, we've had our experiences sort of dealing with, you know, being in the gray zone, multitasking, oh. um, and trying to do multiple things. What, what do you think about this? Uh, oh, my gosh. I think this is a big one. This was actually like one of the big like breakthroughs for me because also I think in the gray zone, there there lies these tasks you can do to keep yourself busy and feel like, wow, I'm working. But it's mm. not. If you're not like evaluating like, is this the work I should be doing right now? Like if I'm not doing the 80-20, if I'm researching for a blog post, well, that's great. But if that blog post doesn't need to be out for another two months, I'm wasting my time and maybe I'm spreading my time around instead of concretely being like, okay, these are the things I need to complete today. If I get those done, I'm going to move on to this. And you can kind of just have a lot of windows open on your computer and maybe you're reading business stuff, but it's like, but if that wasn't the task that you had today, you're kind of in that you're kind of in that gray zone and you're still, you know, you're still tiring yourself out because you're not relaxing but you're not getting any benefit and any productivity. I remember like learning about this and being like, oh my gosh, I do that all the time. Like if I go relax, like I'm kind of thinking about something in the back of my head, but I'm not, I'm not doing it. It's hanging over me for the whole day instead of just getting it done and not being in that gray zone. Wow, that's great. So busyness versus productivity. These are two different things. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, they pretend to just be busy, pretend to do work. And then there's people who just do work, who are focused and get things done and get things done that are like, they're the 80-20. They're the things that really produce the results. And they're the things that you need to do right now. Um, They take a priority over whatever busyness, busy work that just makes you appear like you're getting work done or you're doing things, but you're not actually making progress. So super, super, super great point. Let's talk accountability. Um, Kit, what do you, like my thoughts on this is when you work by yourself, you have no boss, you have no coworkers, there's no accountability. And that kind of sucks because when you don't have accountability, it's like, you don't have, it's good to have pressure. Like it's good to have that peer pressure because it will force you to get things done. But when that gets removed, I mean, I feel like it makes people complacent. I feel like it makes people sort of let off the gas. Like they, they don't, you know, are forced to get uh, the task done if someone's not looking over their shoulder. So, you know, I don't believe in like micromanaging, but I also believe in like accountability is so important to make sure every day that you're actually doing work and not just sort of like, you know, letting yourself off easy. Yeah, I think that's huge because it is really easy. Like, and if you if you let up on accountability one day, it's even easier like the next day. And then a task where it's like, hey, if you just sat down and, and wrote it or filmed it, you'd be done in an hour has now been like stretched out because you're like, you just kind of keep giving yourself like, mm. you keep making like a two milestone task, like a 21. You're like, well, okay, I picked the, the mm. font I'm going to use for this article. Like, all right that's it for today and i think like for me something like is like writing things down because then that that gives you accountability in a way of like you're staring at it you're like oh yeah i really gotta get this i gotta get this this thing done because it's like you said it's so easy to not have accountability and just be like well that's good for me without like kind of looking inside and being like okay do i have something more Mm -hmm. is it is it time for me to take a break or am i just trying to take a break because that's like the easy thing to do yeah, 
And that goes into, you know, when you're working from home, you're tempted to just watch Netflix all day or you're tempted no, to just watch movies. I used to do the same. When I first started um, working on my business and, I, you know, I was a solopreneur, no boss, no coworkers, I would literally just watch TV and movies, like just binge watch all day. And I would, I would do a little work, but then I would reward myself with too much video games, too much movies, too much Netflix. And I distinctly remember this because I would, I would work right next to my bed because I just had this little room in my parents' house and my desk would be right next to my bed. And I would do a little bit or I would pretend to do work. Usually I would be on like some forums, wasting time, you know, mental masturbation where it's just like you, you feel good because you're like reading quotes and you're like, you know, reading about these success stories, but you're not actually doing it for your own life. Like I used to do a lot of that. And I think most solopreneurs, when you're a beginner, you tend to just give so much time to things like forums, to research, to, you know, consuming, consuming content and, you know, just like things to make you feel good. Um, maybe a vision board and this and that. But like, really, when it comes down to it, you have to put your head down and just get the work done. There's no like, there's no shortcut. There's no way to just cheat the grind and just like, you know, there's no easy button. At the end of the day, you just have to put yeah. in the work. It's tedious. It's painful, but you'll feel good. It's like working out. Working out is stress. You know, when you exercise, it's actually putting stress on your body so that your body can do better. It can recover. It can be stronger. Um, it's sort of the similar thing with doing in the work and, uh, you know, staying focused. Um, so, you know, it's hard. And I personally, I think like, I think exercise is way easier than doing entrepreneurship stuff because this requires mental capacity. It requires creativity. Yeah. And you may not always be feeling that way, but working out, I mean, you just go into a gym, you lift some weights and then you feel good instantly. But then this, you know, when you're doing business things, I mean, it takes a toll on you mentally, which is not as easy to handle as, you know, physical, physical labor, in my opinion. Yeah, because you're, you're having to think and solve a problem and like it can kind of suck sometimes if you're sitting there for an hour trying to figure out like what angle am I going to take with this video or this piece of content or or my ad strategy, You can it can suck because it feels like you didn't do any work, even though that's like a critical, critical piece of work. Mm. Um, and so if you if you if you if you kind of just go, ah, well, this doesn't work like, OK, but it's, it's going to take like some tasks that you feel like. Hey, this might take an, you know, do those only take 30 minutes. I'm going to bang this out. And then you get into it and you're like, oh man, this is really hard. And that's when you really have to avoid those distractions because you want it's, you know, it's hard. So you're going to be like, ah, maybe I'll just go watch Netflix. That'll give me some like, some ideas, you know, that'll like, let me watch, oh my let me watch the Irishman. Like, and I've, I've definitely done that where you like sit down, you like take this mm -hmm. quick break. And then four hours later, you're like. Oh, okay. Like I used to do it, you know, back with school where it was like, yeah, I'm just going to watch this mm -hmm. quick thing and then I'm going to knock my homework out from eight to nine and then it's from <laughs> nine to 10. And you know what? And all night is not that bad. I'll sleep tomorrow. And it's, it just spirals out <laughs> of control. Oh my God. Too accurate. Too accurate. I did this the other day. I literally was like, but luckily these days I know how to manage it. So if I'm like, hey, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to watch a little 30 minute show and then I'm going to get back to work. And then I get back to work. But before yeah. it would literally be like that where it's like, hey, you know what? I'm just going to go watch a movie to get me inspired. You know, I'll watch the social network again for like the fifth time. And then after that, I'll be motivated and then I'll do my work. And like that works to a degree. And like it's 
perfectly fine to do that and get hyped up and get motivated. But man, in terms of consistency, you can't do that every day. You can't watch that movie yeah. every single day just to get in the zone. You literally have to get your habits formed where you can just by default go into productivity mode and get work done. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. no way to get around it. So um, relying on motivation basically is just it's it's just a very inconsistent thing to depend on because it's not always going to be there. Some days you're going to wake up just feeling like I don't want to do anything today. You know what I mean? Some days you're just mentally not going to be 100 percent, but you're still going to have to do the work if you want to make progress. So, you know, that's that's the thing that's so tough about this. And then when you work from home, I mean, it's almost even tougher because you're everything is just in your head. You know, your anxiety is at an all time high. Um, I think a lot of people who've never spent a lot of time working from home or being home for so long, you know, they're experiencing a lot of stress that they never experienced before because they're used to sort of having that interaction in an office, being able to go out, uh, you know, go out into an office every day. Um, so I think that this is just a strange time and hopefully these, you know, these tips can help you navigate some of these waters. But I think we should switch gears. Should we start talking about yeah. what what should you do to work from home and to be more productive, to get more done in less time or less stress and less effort? Um, I think we've picked up some pretty strong techniques over the last you know year or so. Um, so let's. How about you start, and then we'll I'll riff off that. Okay. Yeah. I think I think for me it goes. I just want to touch on something briefly. We just talked about was the break. So not taking you know taking mm. too long breaks is bad. Um, but not taking breaks is bad. You should definitely take breaks, but mm. kind of like how Odie said about like having the self-discipline, like, hey, I'm going to do this thing for 30 minutes and then I'm going to come back. I think that's, that's a real key. Breaks are good mm. if, they're in the, if they're in a structure of like, hey, I'm going to get this done and then I'm going to take a break. Or, hey, I'm going to take like the hardest thing for me was like napping. Like I was always like tired and so I'd be like, I'm going to take a nap. But I like, I used to believe like, you can't take like a short nap. Like I would just fall asleep for like two or three hours and I'd be even tired. And like, mm -hmm. when you're tired, you're the best negotiator ever. Cause you're like, actually, I bet I could actually <laughs> shove all my stuff way down the future. If I could just get a few more hours of sleep, like, you know what, today will be a sleep day and then I'll be recharged. <laughs> and when I learned like, Hey, if I, tr if I force myself to take a 30 minute nap and my body gets used to that, it can be a super great way to recharge so i think like take breaks but time them or set like a very specific thing because getting restarted is going to be hard and so having almost like for me if i wake up from a nap it's i have a cold brew coffee which i love so that gets me like that gets me out of bed because i'm like oh i'm kind of excited to have one of those and get back to work and that really gets me in the flow state so what we said like don't take huge breaks like a break that becomes basically like a stay-at-home vacation Take little breaks mm. to give yourself a, a chance to to recharge even even 10 minutes to like listen to some music because like you might be stuck on something and you might just need that brief little bit to just be like, okay, I'm going to push past. Can't think of anything. I'm just going to write something and then I'll go go do that. So, yeah, I would say definitely take take structured breaks. Wow, that's a point that I completely forgot, which is the opposite end of the spectrum. I mean, so we've been talking mostly in this podcast up till now about how to get more work done and how to, you know, sort of get more productivity. 
But on the flip side, there is such thing as working too much or working too hard because we want to at all costs avoid this little thing called burnout. Burnout is real and honestly, you know, it can get the best of us. If you are, you know, grinding and you're working hard, especially in the beginning when you're not getting that feedback in terms of sales, in terms of, you know, making money and revenue, it's easy to get burned out because you feel like you're putting in all this energy, all this effort, and then you don't see, you're not motivated to keep going because you're not seeing the results or the fruits of your labor. So you're feeling really discouraged. You're feeling like, why am I even doing all this? Why am I sacrificing so much? I'm not really getting anything out of it. Um, So I think burnout, in order to, you know, sort of prevent that, it's really key to take breaks and to be smart about these breaks. And it's good to reward yourself too. You know, if you have a structure to this where you're like, I'm going to get this, this, and this done today. And if I get those three things done, it will be a huge win for the day, which will put me in a good position to win the week. And if I get those things done, I will reward myself with being able to play, you know, this video game for two hours, being able to play, you know, Warzone or whatever you like to play or watch that movie, you know, you can reward yourself. And that's the best because I've learned back when I used to watch, you know, movies, TV, video games every day and I would do a little work, but then I'd mostly reward myself a little too much. It didn't feel as good, you know, watching those movies and then playing video games. It didn't feel as good as when I earned it. When I would do the work throughout the day or in the morning, and then I would finally be like, okay, I had a great day today. You know, I got done what I needed to get done. Now it's time to relax. Now it's time to, you know, sort of switch from work mode to chill mode and to just relax and take it easy. It feels so much better once you've actually accomplished something. Cause, you know, the feeling of accomplishment is one of the best feelings you know, that you can ever have. It's not even to do with money. It's just, you know, the feeling that you set out, you had this goal and then you knocked out that goal and you got it done and it wasn't easy either. You know, the harder it is, then the more rewarding it feels at the end. So, um, yeah, that was a great, great point. You know, uh, now let's talk about what are some things to do to help boost that productivity when you're working from home? I think for me, the most thing that was helpful was building a schedule. So while, while I think it's important to think of a day like is the task you want to get done and not necessarily like I'm going to work for X amount of hours, I think you also like you really need to have a schedule. What time am I going to work? What time am I going to take a break? What time am I going to do like cleaning or like household chores or errands? Because if you don't have that, something that's really easy to work from home is to do things around the home, which, hey, it was great. You feel productive. You cleaned your kitchen, but like, hey, you needed to film a video today or like you needed to go do X, Y, or Z. And so having a schedule be like, no, it's work time. If you happen to live with people, it sets like boundaries for them that they know like, oh no, he or she, they're doing work right now. They can't, they can't come help me with the laundry or they can't come hang out and grab lunch. Like that's their work time. And that kind of trains you and your body to be like, okay, now's work time. Now you might have to move that around, but just having that same kind of flow, like, hey, I get up. I'm productive, I do these tasks to get a win in the morning, I take a break, I have lunch, that's kind of how it goes, do a little work, maybe take a nap, come back, and that'll help you just, I think, be way more productive because it it gives your body a routine. Yeah, I think one reassuring sort of, um, I guess, little tidbit or fact that I think will help a lot of people is knowing that in any given day, 
the most that you can expect, the most number of hours you can expect to be really, really, really productive is about a three to four hour block. And this is, you know, agreed upon in many different industries, not just creative, not just, you know, uh, in my personal life with our business, but also with something like coding and programming. So, um, you know, programmers and software engineers, they generally say that they can get one solid block of work done, let's say three to four hours. And in those four hours, which may not sound like a lot because, you know, you have to consider people who work nine to five, that's eight hours a day. So four hours, that's only half of the day working, but it's not the hours that you're working. It's, can you get into this flow state? And when you're in that flow state, things are moving quickly. Things are just flowing effortlessly. You're getting work done. You're making major, major progress. You're in the zone, right? And Few people, you know, are really lucky to be able to experience this on a daily basis. I mean, I think part of peak performance and part of business is fighting with yourself, always battling. You know, it's a daily battle. I always say that. And you're always trying to get the best out of yourself. But every day it starts from scratch. It starts all over again. And you have to get back into the zone. You're not in the zone 24-7. It's just not possible, right? And if, if you are, then, you know, you're probably going to burn out. And if you burn out, you may quit for a good month two months, six months. I've seen people, you know, they go super hard for like, let's say a week or two weeks or maybe even a month. And then they just disappear and they just stop for like a good six months before they come back. And that's why I say burnout. You want to avoid that because if you can just take baby steps and, you know, let's say, let's say the most you can do is one blog article, you know, every single month, that's 12 articles over the course of a year. That's still a lot better than just doing two or three uh, you know, if you get burned out by doing them too much in one week or two weeks. So, you know, I think that the zone, being in that zone for even two hours, you'd be surprised how much you can get done in two hours with no distractions, being in the zone, having all of your mental capacity and faculties working with you and not against you. And then just not, again, not being distracted and not having interruptions. So most people can bet or they can just hope for four hours of solid work. So that should relieve some of the pressure because some people probably think, oh, I have to work 12 hours. And they think that 12 hours is just 12 hours straight, nonstop grinding, you know, barely little uh, breaks and this and that. But the truth is you don't need that. You just need to have one good solid block every day. That's going to add up, especially if you can string a few of those together over the course of a week. If you can get five of those, you know, back to back to back to back in one week, you will be surprised what you can get done when you're actually in that zone. But, you know, to get into that zone, you have to make sure you don't have distractions. You can't be interrupted. If you get interrupted, you'll lose it, right? And you'll lose it. And it's this idea. So I got this, I think, from Deep Work. Uh, which is written by Cal Newport, I believe. And deep work is all about, again, throwing away this whole notion of working eight hours, nine to five. And it's focusing on, you know, essentially you can do your best work at any time of the day. And it's different for different people. So, you know, you can get a lot done in just two hours if you're doing it when you're most productive. So let's say for me, I would say in the morning. In the morning, I have the most willpower. I have the most energy. I just, you know, took a, a long sleep and I feel refreshed. And for me, I think one of the best things to do is tackle the hardest task of the day first. 
and then get that big win early. Because the thing is, when you push this task back towards the afternoon, you may run out of willpower. You may run out of juice. And if you run out of juice, you may need to be at a certain capacity or a certain percentage to be able to take on the big, big task. But for other little tasks, you may have wasted all of your juice on those things, and they may not be the 80-20. They may be the things that aren't really producing much of the results, but they're taking up the same energy you should have used for the big task. And I noticed that when you get that big task done, right, and you just look at your to-do list and you're like, this one thing, if I can just do this, I will feel like a winner today and I won't go to bed feeling like a loser because that's what happens when you don't prioritize and all of your tasks are the same weight and they're the same, like if you look at everything the same, like, oh, these will all produce the same results. When they don't in reality, then the problem is you'll do a lot of busy work that's not actually going to get you sales. It's not actually going to raise your traffic or help your business, but it feels good because you're staying busy. And then it removes any chance of you doing what actually needs to get done. Yeah, and, and I think going off when you're talking about like back when you're talking about stringing things together, I think too it's like, hey, if you don't manage four hours the first day, but you manage an hour of just solid in the zone, you can build on that. You do that the next day, do a little longer, an hour and a half, and you can build up to that four hour because just like running like a marathon, like your body builds mm-hmm. up to that endurance. And I do think like it's comforting because then it's like if it's if it's task-based, you're like, hey, I knocked out, like you said, first thing in the morning, I knocked out that task. Now, even though that used up a lot of energy, hey, I'm really motivated. Like, let me see how many other things I can knock out mm-hmm. and get this like, get this great mm-hmm. feeling again. And, and it might even be when you're talking about like times of day, it might even be that different tasks require different times of day. Like for, for getting, for me, like getting actual work done, definitely the morning. But at night is like a great time to be creative. Like sometimes I'll stay up late just to get some creative ideas and things. Cause to me, like that's a great time. But for other people, it might be different. And you kind of have to figure out when that time is for yourself. A hundred percent. And when you say creativity, one of the best things that I learned. Um, I don't know if it was from Deep Work or if it was from another uh, productivity book, but creativity strikes outside of the office. So that's why when people say that they came up with a great idea while they were taking a shower or when they were driving on their way to work, this is actually more common than you'd think because it allows your brain to kind of uh, switch gears because if your brain is focused on the actual task at hand it doesn't it's kind of constrained because it doesn't it's not free to just think and to let the subconscious do some of the work because you know as we know the human mind extremely powerful but the thing is if you're just using your active conscious and you're basically just you know using that on the actual task at hand you don't let the subconscious do some of the heavy lifting so one of the cool things is you know when you're playing a video game and let's say you're stuck on this level you just keep trying and trying and trying and you just can't beat it so you're like oh man i quit you know uh, I'm gonna try, you know, I'm gonna go to bed and I'm just gonna uh, quit this game. And then you wake up the next day, the first time you try out that level, you beat it on the first try. And it's because your subconscious was working in your favor to try and figure out ways to how to get that goal achieved. And this happens more times than you'd think. And it's the same with creativity. If you think that creativity comes from being stuck in a little cubicle inside your office or inside, you know, your home office especially, that is the furthest thing from the truth. You need to get outside of the office if you actually want to get real creativity because creativity is found throughout the world, the outside world. You know, there's a lot of inspiration that you can take away from nature, from people, like from things that are not 
in your direct environment, which is just, you know, if you're at your desk and you just have these four walls around you, how can you really be that creative, you know, when you don't have material to work with? So that's a, that's just one thing I want to say about the, you know, you mentioned creativity. Um, yeah, you know, I'm re- I, I'm a big believer in that. I definitely think that because too, and also just going outside, it can also give you like an energy. I'm an introvert, but still going out and like seeing other people in a city working, it makes you like, oh yeah, I want to work. Like, okay, that person's working. Okay, I'm gonna get back in now. You almost get like inspired to dive back, dive back into your to your work again after you've gone out, after you've seen some things. Your brain's had a second to just like mull things over and you can build that you can build that time into your day you know maybe it's like okay i want to get a three hour chunk done okay well to prepare for that i'm going to take a 30 minute or hour walk leading up to that to really get my mind going and then i'm going to take all that energy and from my thoughts and roll that right into really buckling down and getting to work yeah, that brings me to the idea of attention residue. Um, when you're doing a task and then you switch to another task, you have this thing called attention residue where you're still thinking about the previous task, even if you're not actively working on it. Now, this obviously works against you because if your mind is pulled in two different directions or three different directions, and this is why we advise against multitasking, basically, your brain cannot give 100% focus to the task at hand. So, you know, sometimes you're going to find that when you're switching gears from one thing to another, you're going to need some time to remove this attention residue and just go back to basically, you you know, neutral so that you can actually focus on the next task. So that's something that some, like a lot of people, they wouldn't think about. They would think that, oh, okay, I was working on this. Now I'm working on that. I should just magically be able to be in the zone and be able to just, you know, uh, pursue this. But the truth is because of that attention residue, your brain may not be optimized to work on what's currently, you know, on your plate. So that's just another thing I want to throw out there that might that might help some people out there who are thinking, you know, what's wrong, sort of like what's wrong with me in terms of, you know, why can't I focus or why is it so hard to, you know, get focused and not be distracted and to not procrastinate. Um, a lot of the times you're fighting with your brain, you know, you're trying to make it do one thing and it wants to do this other thing. So, you know, getting everything online and understanding what is causing you to not have that focus or to be distracted or to, uh, you know, procrastinate, uh, this will help you to sort of, um, you know, tackle uh, the, the day-to-day struggles. Um, so another thing I want to talk about is the environment. Cause I'm so big on that. Um, you know, you're, so we've talked about going out into the world, getting creative, but let's talk about your actual work environment in the, in the home office to help that be as productive as possible. Um, so Kit, do you want to give some tips on that? Yeah, I think that one, like talk about don't work from your bed. So make a space that is optimized for work, like keep your desk clean and like set up how you like it because if you if you and I, and I think it's fine to leave certain places in your house messy because like I think sometimes you need a place where you can just dump things so you don't have to worry about it but if your little if your work area is clean it helps your mind be free you know kind of freed up um, natural light natural light is something I did not realize until I moved into a place where for some reason it's like living like in the Chronicles of Narnia in the like eternal winter like I live in <laughs> Southern California there's no sun and that makes a huge difference. So definitely get somewhere with some natural light. Get somewhere where you 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 set up a workstation. You know you have a you have a desk. You have stuff that reminds you of work. 
And then that that kind of helps you go get things done. Like you're not staring at your bed. You're not staring like, you know, right at your like PS4. You're staring at your like work monitor and it just gets you in the zone. And maybe maybe that's even buying a few like cool gadgets that like are productivity things that you like and kind of help you get in the zone. Like for me, getting some like organizational like desk things for whatever reason, like that helps me get more work done. So you kind of have to to sort of set up an area and it doesn't, it, you don't need to have like a whole extra office. Even if you just have a room, you can set up your room in a way where it's like, hey, my bed's going to be over in that corner, but my workstation is going to be right over here in this corner and I'm going to make it a place in the room I like to be. Yeah, if you guys can afford it, you know, I would really suggest to keep your your work desk separate from your bedroom because I had to do that for so many years just because of constrictions um, and just not having another room to spare. I had to work from my bedroom, but it is such a trap. It's a complete temptation to just want to go back into bed, especially if you're tired. You want to just take a quick nap, which turns into a two-hour nap, a three-hour nap. So I highly recommend if you have an extra room, a guest room, or even just your living room, put your desk outside of the bedroom. That's like step one to just help cut down on the uh, distractions. Um, step two, I recommend now, obviously, you know, not everyone um, can get one, especially right now, but a standing desk is a great investment because, you know, it's really key for for me. I remember Tony Robbins said, motion creates emotion. And there's truth to that because if you're feeling tired and sluggish, but then you kind of like move around for an hour, or I mean, not an hour, sorry, but you jump up and down for a little bit and you get the blood flowing, you'll realize like all of a sudden that you'll feel more alert and you'll have more energy just magically. And that's just from getting the blood flowing, you know, because if you sit too long, if you even if you stand too long and you're not getting enough movement, you know, your body is literally going to go into this state where, um, you know, it, the blood is literally not flowing. So you want to try and get the blood pumping and the heart pumping so that you can get the circulation going and the circulation is going to feed into your brain so you can think clearly and be more alert. So standing desk is great because it allows you to work when you're standing and that means it's a lot easier to just you know take a break and go walk around. Uh, but you know switching from standing to sitting is just really good, uh, especially for your lower body, the circulation. It just helps you to think clearly and to not get too fatigued. Uh, another thing that I really like that I recommend is noise-canceling headphones. Uh, for those who know my history being a headphone reviewer back then, you know I know quite a bit about headphones, but one thing that is really cool about the headphones today especially is the noise canceling has never been better. So, you know, usually I would probably recommend Bose when it comes to noise canceling, but I mean, all the top uh, brands these days are the popular ones at least. They all have pretty decent noise cancellation uh, properties. Uh, but basically Bose, you know, QC35, such great headphones to really drown out the outside noise because if you live somewhere that's busy and there's a lot going on that you know those sounds and all those interruptions are directly working against your focus and your concentration so i think it's really key if you want to get into the zone you have to have no distractions no sort of interruptions and noise is definitely a big interruption if someone's ever lived somewhere near some construction uh, you would know exactly what i'm talking about so some noise canceling headphones a standing desk uh you know i'm looking around at my my workplace and you know these things really help me to not get fatigued as fast and also to stay in the zone longer um so 
Yeah. Okay. I, I, think, I think too. The other thing with mm. the noise canceling headphones, real quick, is just that, like, yeah, if you say the only place you can have your desk separate from your bedroom is like in a common area, having noise canceling headphones means you can work, you know, facing the wall, or whatever, and you don't need to be distracted by people coming in and out, going in the kitchen, because you 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 kind of get in that zone. Hmm. Yeah, that's a great, great point. Especially if you live with others, you have roommates or a significant other. You know, it's just so easy to get taken out of your zone and it's so crucial that you don't let that sort of stop you because if you get taken out who knows how long until you get back into that state it takes so long just to build up just to get to that level you don't want to lose it um, at the smallest sound you know what I mean or the smallest interruption so you know those are just some of my uh, tips to stay in the zone um, another thing that's really big that I forgot to mention is you want to write down basically everything that you need to do. Now, I'm not talking about to-do list. Actually, this is from a book called Getting Things Done. And it's called a Getting Things Done List, GTD. I, the name of the author escapes me right now. Uh, but basically, the idea is you want to write down everything you need to do, big or small. Now, you want to write it down because it takes it away from your brain and it puts it onto a list where you can actually have it on paper. So if you're familiar with a hard drive and having to defragment a hard drive, um, then this is the same thing. You're defragmenting your brain because if everything is taking place in your spit, in your head, it's taking up all this mental capacity. It doesn't give you much, uh, you know, sort of juice to work on any other task. So it's important to remove it from your brain, all these things on the back of your head, all the things you have to do, the errands, little or big, you know, so put it on a piece of paper. So at least you can refer to the paper. You can just default to this getting things done list and be like, oh, okay, this is what I need to do today. Let me prioritize. Here's the big things. Here's the small things. This is what I can do. Um, anything you can do in five minutes, just do it now. That's one of the things that's helpful in making sure that list doesn't get too big. And also, you know, those tasks, those little ones, they they take away from you even mentally. And if it only takes five minutes, get it done now, and then you don't have to worry about it ever again. So that's one of the things. But for the bigger stuff, you know, put it down on a piece of paper. So even if it's a lot of things, and trust me, I think all of us will agree, there's so much to do in a day, so little time. But put it on a piece of paper so that at least it's not taking the space up in your brain. So hopefully you can be a little more effective when it comes to the current task on hand and just being present, you know, being mindful and being able to, you know, just focus on what you need to get done. So and it, it also mm -hmm. helps things not fall through the cracks. I used to forget things all mm -hmm. the time. And finally, I was like, why am I forgetting things? Like, I have a good memory. And it was just because I wasn't writing them down and they just get overwhelmed. And then I'd miss an important task to do a less important task because I hadn't just written, you know, it's simple as just writing things down, looking at it. And then from there, you can move things around and be like, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. But because I wasn't writing things down, I was forgetting things all the time. And once I started actually writing things down, using some project management software, it made things so much easier. Yes, sir. Um, and, you know, the last thing is probably the accountability. I just want to touch on it one last time. I mentioned it in what not to do. And, you know, it's the same thing in what to do. I really feel that if you can, you need to get some sort of accountability partner, whether it's your coworker, whether it's even your boss, you know, whether it's even, you know, I, I just feel that you need to find someone 
external that can really keep you sort of like in line and keep you um, focused on the task. Because I just I just know from my experience that so many days were wasted because I was a terrible accountability partner for myself. Like, you know, I would let myself off easy because uh, when you're working by yourself or you're working from home, you don't have a boss like you are the boss. And, you know, the problem is if you if you're not a good boss, you're going to let yourself off easy. You're not going to get yourself to be as productive as you possibly can be. And, you know, for me, accountability is so big. That was a switch for me. When I started to get employees, you know, I couldn't just go into a day and just be like, you know what, today I'm just going to watch movies because, you know, honestly, I had the pressure of having to, you know, show up to work and to get things done. And thankfully, it resulted in a net positive where I would get work done that honestly, I didn't feel like it because let's be honest, guys, how many days do you really feel like it when you wake up in the morning? Do you feel like you really want to do that that hard, daunting task? I mean, most of us are probably like, I want to go back to bed. I want to hit the snooze button. You know, I'll push this off until tomorrow, this and that. So for me, the accountability, it kind of gave me no choice. It was like, hey, uh, listen, I don't feel like doing it, but I'm I'm going to have to do it because, I mean, there's no other choice, you know? So um, that's, I think that's the last thing, the last big thing, at least, that helps me yeah. in terms of day-to-day is the accountability. Yeah, and finding finding someone, because that's definitely helpful, you know, is, is knowing, like, and checking in with them and being like, hey, I did this, um, now I'm going to do that. And then, you know, when you're doing it, like, hey, I have to get this done because, I, t- you know, I told that person I was going to get it done. I want to be a person who gets things done. Um, and I think it's huge. And you can find accountability partners lots of places. Even if you're working by yourself, you can find a friend to talk to. They probably have their own thing they're working on. And you can just check in with them, you know, like, hey, how, you know, mm-hmm. every, at the end of every day, every week, like, hey, here's what I want to get done. Because sometimes just laying out, hey, this is what I want to do to get a win this week. And then having someone who you know you're going to call at the end of the week and you don't want to have to call them and be like, oh, I actually didn't get any of that done or I didn't get what I said I was going to get done done. Mm, so great such a great uh tip right there honestly it could be anyone it could be one of your close friends that you don't even you're not even in the same industry you're you know maybe they're not even an entrepreneur but they're a friend and if they really are a friend they're going to look out for you and your goals and help you achieve them any way they can and if you know if it takes just one weekly call just to make sure to check in, check in on your goals. How is the progress going? You know, that can make all the difference because this entrepreneurship journey, especially when you're a solopreneur in the beginning, it is so lonely. Why do you have to make it harder on yourself, right? Try to make the journey easier because, you know, it's easier when you're one of those big companies and you have tons of employees because, you know, you have this duty and it's, you know, it's basically like every day you have the peer pressure. Like if I don't get this done, then it's going to slow things down in the sort of supply chain. And I need to get this to that person because I told them that I get it done by today. And if I don't get my work done, they can't start their job. So it's, you know, that stuff, it makes it easier to get things done. Whereas when you're by yourself, there's no sort of person to turn to. You have no one to blame but yourself, and you have no one to sort of lead. Um, especially if you're, you know, you're new to this and you are your own boss for the first time ever. Then you're gonna have to learn some leadership and some self discipline if you really want to get the most out of your day. So, I think that's basically it. I mean, kid, is there anything else you want to add? Yeah, I actually want to, um, and on something just to keep in mind, and I think it kind of goes back into like you have to have more of the motivation. You have to like, 
you have to actively keep trying to do these things every day. And it's something actually like Odie told me when we used to live together in this really crappy apartment and I like had a horrific year, I would sleep for like 12 hours and one time I went outside and like biked and it made me feel a hundred times better. And I asked Odie, I'm like, man, then I never did that again. Like, why didn't that happen? And he said, the body, do- body doesn't crave like change, it craves homeostasis or staying the same. Like your body wants comfort, wants things to stay the same. So you're not going to, even if you do something that's better for you and feels good, your body's still going to want to fall back into the old things because that's what it knows. So you have to make it sort of an active thing every day to be like, here are the things I want to do today. Here are the things I'm working on. You know, I'm going to fail sometimes, but I'm just going to keep referring back to these things I'm trying to do and realize I'm not just going to suddenly like tomorrow wake up to suddenly be a different person or be a different person. I'm going to have to work at it every single day. Yeah, that's one of the hardest parts is when you work from home, you're working from your comfort zone. You know, your home is literally the comfort zone. And to grow professionally or personally, you know, in your development, you're going to have to leave that comfort zone. So that's why it's extremely hard. I recommend get as far away as your bed from your bed as possible to try and escape the comfort zone, at least, you know, from a physical perspective. But it is so hard to work from home because you're literally in the comfort zone. So that's why, you know, all these tips, hopefully they can help you to try and find your way, um, you know, from this working from home. And maybe you can try and find a way to break out of the comfort zone, even within, you know, the four walls of your bedroom, um, if that's where you have to work from for now. So basically, I hope these tips help you guys. Make sure to um, subscribe and to subscribe. Sorry, I was about to say subscribe again. Uh, But you definitely want to make sure you subscribe for next week's episode. But I want to uh, just thank everyone again for the reviews that you guys have left us. Every time we receive a written review, uh, me and Kit, we both take the time to read every single one of the reviews. We are so appreciative of every single review and rating. Um, So, you know, that's, that's honestly the only payment we'll receive for this podcast completely not monetized or sponsored in any way as we speak so thank you guys so much and if you could just take some time out of your day to leave a review it would mean the world to us um but that is basically it for today i think uh make sure you guys check out my youtube channel if you haven't i'm uploading a video that's more in-depth about the amazon film marketing situation soon and also make sure you check out odiproductions.com we got free guides on how to start film marketing completely free no email required if you want to start you know working on your online business today for you know very very minimal investment up front less than a hundred bucks i mean what business can you start with less than a hundred dollars these days you know it's not very many um so that's basically it from my side. Kids, is there anything you want to say? No, just reiterating, like, thanks for the reviews. It's amazing. Like, I haven't done anything like this before, so it's awesome to sort of check the reviews and see a new review. It's really, really cool. If you guys have questions or want a topic covered, um, that's one of the reasons we did work from home tips this week was because people let us know that's what they want to hear. So let us know in the in your review what you want to hear more of if you have a specific question. Um, but so far, it's been a ton of fun. I'm looking forward to another one next week. Awesome. Me too. So we hope to see you guys again, or I guess hear from you guys again next week, or you'll hear from us. And um, hopefully you guys have a great weekend. Stay happy, stay healthy, stay safe, and stay home. And we will catch you next time. Peace.